Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. And with me today, <laughs> sports writers Bucky Dent and Les Winkler. He at least did not like pause or anything. That's that right. Time. Yeah, he, just, he, was, he, just, he was ready to dive back. He, he didn't in. milk it. He didn't milk it. People, yeah. people are busy this time of he year. Just, he just people just want to get to it. <laughs> we're all busy. We're all got stuff going on. So we're going to get right to it today. Uh, big big weekend in prep sports and college sports in our area. Um, prep football starting off Friday night. Uh, there's also a game on Saturday. With uh, Carmine White County and Vienna Goreville, um, number of intriguing matchups uh, Friday night. What do you? Uh, which which game are you looking most forward to, Bucky? Either seeing it in person or seeing the result. Well, as always, you look forward to the first game you cover, which in my case will be Carbondale at Murfreesboro. Some questions to answer both ways, or we should say, start to answer. For one, how can Carbondale replace uh, Jakeba Burley, who was an outstanding quarterback for it last year? And it also has to replace some pretty good receivers as well. I kind of tend to think Carbondale's defense has a chance to be pretty good. They have some linemen that have transferred in that could be pretty good on both sides of the ball up front. Uh, Murfreesboro has perhaps the deepest stable of running backs in the area. Two capable quarterbacks, but only one returning starter up front. And how Murfreesboro's rebuilt line against a pretty big Carbondale front performs will tell the tale on that game. The result I'm most intrigued to see, Anna Jonesboro at West Frankfurt, because we're talking about a completely brand new AJ team, no returning starters. I guess West Frankfurt, which was also hit pretty hard by graduation, but it also returns probably the area's best quarterback in Connor Eaton. Yeah, I think the Cardinal Murfreesboro is is the most intriguing. Um the thing with this Murfreesboro team, they've got eight. They've got eight people that can carry the ball. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you, it's, it's and not. Gary Carter will use all of them. Yeah, oh, yes, he will. And I mean, and you just there's no way that the defense can there can count can uh, uh, try to contain just one person. And they'll use the entire field. And they they use that little misdirection. It's kind of hard to know where they're uh, where they're going. And a lot of times it looks like they're going wide, and they like to cut it. They cut it cut it back up off the tackles. So. Uh, it's to me that that is the most intriguing matchup um, matchup, and the I, I am curious to see what I, I'm suspecting that if uh, Connor Eaton stays healthy, he's going to be very much our conversation of Player of the Year this year. But just to see if uh, Brian Berry can uh, surround him with enough quality people where he can have a chance to make an impact. And I got to look this up. He was our wrestler of the year last year. I'll kind of wonder off the top of my head if we've ever had one athlete be the player of the year in multiple sports during his career. Because as you mentioned, he would certainly be in line for something like that if he has a big senior season. Well, Nick Hill, right? Nick Hill was, yeah, was Nick he Hill, a football player of the Nick, year Nick too? Nick Hill would be the best possibility. He I, was the I, boys I, basketball player of the year. I, I, senior. Rem- I remember distinctly he was the basketball player, but I, and I'm pretty sure he was the football, but I wouldn't bet my house or car or even your house or car. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, definitely not a wrestler and a football player. Right, that would, that be, would a, be a unique right. combination, although Jason Patton was a pretty good wrestler too, wasn't he? he would have been a, a $5 scratcher from Casey's on it? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Well, so the other question, so if you're covering Cesar Valier, who do you go talk to after the game? Do you go talk to Mike Rude? Do you go talk to John Shadowins or whoever's closer? I, I think they have. Do they have an arrangement? I think they do have an arrangement. I think, uh, I think Shadowins is going to do the electronic media and Rude will do the print media. Uh, John will go and, and do take care of his radio responsibilities, and Mike will talk to us ink-stained wretches. Uh, 
So, so you're saying that uh, Wees will be uh, talking with Mike afterwards at Fairfield Friday night? Yeah, yes. I, I might even pay to see that. Uh, <laughs> Just just see Wee's interview inter- anybody. It's Brian Turner, by the way, former yeah. uh, sports editor at the uh, Fairfield Paper. And we're talking in code here just to see if everyone's paying attention or not at this point. Right. So. <laughs> well, the the uh, and then SIU's opening against SEMO uh, Thursday night. Big game. Uh, Red Hawks are 17th in the country. They made the playoffs last year. They actually won their first playoff game uh, ever as a as a football program um, over a hundred years. And uh, now they lost their All-American running back that had 311 yards on the Salukis last year. But they, they do return the quarterback. SIU was pretty good against the quarterback. Um, they also return a really good receiver in Christian Wilkerson and a number of good defensive players. They are missing. They are going to have uh, four new starters, I believe, on the offensive line. SIU will have two new starters on the offensive line uh, on the right side and uh, return almost their entire defense. So I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I I, I think Simo's going to win, but I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I seem to just remember last year that the Salukis just simply could not tackle. It, it just looked like the the Simo uh, offensive players. It, it looked like a grease pig contest at the Old County <laughs> Fair. That the it seemed like SIU was frequently at the point of attack or would frequently get open shots at at the ball carrier. Uh, but would just would just slide off and, and just couldn't just couldn't finish the plays and that uh, it was it was a high scoring game and that that certainly contributed to the to this uh, the amount of points scored but uh, yeah I'm kind of looking at this as a toss up uh, you know I, I think you probably got to give Simo uh, a little bit of an edge being at home um, and with their a little bit of a uh, little bit of history and. Uh, but you know this, this is a game that this is a game that if SIU plays well you would think they they could win so why well, you know that's why you play the game so we'll see they had four turnovers and lost the game with 25 seconds to go <clears throat> giving up the go-ahead touchdown um and that they've just got so many question marks i mean just with their quarterback uh they have all these defensive players but what good is it to have a lot of defensive players back from a defense that gave up a school record amount of points 40.7 per game um, I think they've got a lot of talent on that, but they've got to figure out a way, or Jason Petrino and Nick Hill have got to figure out a way to get them to play together and play fundamentally and, and make Simo beat them and not lose the game by being out of position. Probably the best way to go about doing that is to have your offense be a little bit of your best defense in terms of being able to control the clock, convert good, good drives into points, allow you to play with a lead, and be able to try to pitch and hole with Simo into being one-dimensional if you can. Um, now, the way, you know, and it gets back to what we've been talking about periodically here on these podcasts over the course of the offseason is possibility SIU may have to be more of a running team early in the year, new quarterback, a proven running back, an offensive line where you have an entire side, and I believe your center is back, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, really why not center. go ahead and, uh, and try to emphasize that first, build off that, and see where you go from there? I'm really curious to see what Javon Williams' role is going to be this year. I think he's going to get a fair amount of carries. I think they're going to try to split it up a lot because, I mean, D.J. Davis has a lot of ability, but I, I think Javon has a lot of ability too. I, I hope they get – you know, I, th- I hope they get fifteen to twelve to fifteen carries apiece. Is what I'm well, hoping for. I was, I was just, I, I, shocks isn't the, really the right word. I, I guess surprised at uh, DJ Davis's durability last year. Uh, he's not a big guy. 
He's not a big guy. He they list him at 185 pounds, and that's probably fairly probably pretty accurate. accurate. That's yeah. probably fairly accurate. I'm guessing it's yeah. certainly they're, they're certainly not sandbagging. He's no bigger than that. So uh, um, you know, you know, if if they can have that that second person, and and that is a great great uh, kind of uh, change up off DJ Davis's style. Of, uh, I mean, <clears throat> David Davis is more of an elusive type runner. I mean, he he will put his head down and get the tough yards when when needed, but, but Williams is not going to run away from contact. I don't think either. So it'll be interesting to see how the the duo works together. Yeah, that kickoff is at six thirty down in Hawk Stadium. Uh, the game will be on ESPN Plus. Uh, SIU uh, co- coordinated uh, two fan buses and they filled both of them, so they are adding a third <laughs> one uh, earlier this week. So they uh, they should have a pretty good crowd. I thought they'd be have a crowd anyway, but they're they're bringing two or three buses down there. Um, it's a big game for them. You don't want to put too much into the opener when you got a twelve game schedule, but when you got two FBS opponents and uh, one home game uh, left after this Thursday night, and then you're starting conference play against two possibly the best teams in the in the league besides North Dakota State. Um, that's that's tough sledding. So that's uh, it'd be nice to try to get this one on Thursday, no matter how they get it. Could build a lot of momentum for your year. Sometimes I've, I've covered teams before where not much was expected. Then you win your first game, and it's just sometimes can give you a hit of confidence that can carry you all the way through to a successful season. Well, we'll also be watching volleyballs opening up Friday at, at a tournament in St. Louis. Uh, the Ed Allen era will begin. He's got a couple middle blockers back, uh, both setters. Um, he's trying some new players on defensive specialists pretty much, and then uh, two new outside hitters. Uh, one of them is P.J. Washington's little sister, who they who he thinks might be their leading in kills by the end of the year. And then uh, the SIU women's soccer team is also playing Friday night and Sunday, I believe. Um, and then the Valley football schedule opens up Thursday and Saturday. Uh, a lot of teams, uh, every team is in action. Uh, a couple of teams playing FBS games that are winnable. Northern Iowa is playing Iowa State. Illinois State is playing Northern Illinois. Um, and then South Dakota State, I think, is playing uh, – no, I'm sorry, Indiana State is playing Kansas. So Les Miles, uh, Michigan man, playing Kurt Mallory, another Michigan man. And the question I have is, if I'm not mistaken, Kansas has field turf, will Les Miles be able to eat the grass off the, off the field of Kansas? <laughs> That's a that's a challenging job, you know. If if uh, Terry Allen couldn't win there, um, if Les Miles can't win there, that is a challenging job down in Kansas with that. Mark league. Mangino was the last guy that won there, and he right. ended up getting fired under For, some rather fishy circumstances. So right, you know, it's 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 been a graveyard there for a decade. So, uh, who do you think will be our last prep football team standing when we get to the end of the year? I I think of a couple of candidates off the top of my head. Murfreesboro has the potential to be that team if its offensive and defensive lines can cohere. Nashville, to me, is another candidate because it has a number of good skilled players back. It has a few of the same questions as Murfreesboro regarding its offensive and defensive lines. Um, uh, DeCoin could be a team that you might see if they can uh, – you know, get off to a decent start under its first-year coach, Derek Beard. They might be a team that could make a run. They have experience in the line, and they have a great receiver in Dasani Edward. They just need to find a, a guy to run, a guy or two to run the ball, and they need decent play out of the new quarterback, Alex Zimmerman. Um, some of the usual uh, suspects around here, I think uh, Heron has a couple questions that need to be answered. 
Carbondale and Marion sustained some fairly serious graduation losses, and as of course we mentioned, AJ lost every starter off its team. So I would guess if if you had to press me for an answer right now, I would guess probably Murfreesboro or Nashville might be the last one standing, but. The way high school sports are, you never know what's going to happen in a nine-game season with teenage kids, and you certainly don't know what's going to happen when you get to the playoffs. Better, better question is, will they all be gone after week two, or will somebody advance to week three? Because uh, uh, high school football playoffs have not been kind to Southern Illinois. In the, uh, I think two years ago we had 13 teams make the playoffs, which is pretty much the standard number that's going to happen every year just by the way they, they select teams. But uh, by week three, we had – well, in week two, we only had three left, and all three of those lost in week two. So anybody who gets to week three is uh, is uh, walking in tall cotton. You're bucking uh, the trend, days. let's yes. just put it that way. Very good. Very well. And Bucky comes up with bucking the trend. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, not just that, but the teams last year that made it to the second round pretty much all got boat raced in the second yeah. round. You know, I covered A.J. at Monticello, which won the 3A state title, and A.J. played them off their feet for a half and still trolled with a half. So when the time of possession even out a little bit more in the second half, the game was pretty much over before the third quarter ended. And this is a question we've touched on a few times before. What do you have to do if you're a team from this area to get out of the second round? Well, the simple question is play better. The simple answer to that question is win more so you might get a second-round game at home. And that was the problem. Most of the teams around here had to go play on the road in the second round last year, usually against a much more talented foe, which leads to some of the lopsided scores that you saw. Well, you can catch up with all our prep football uh, high school coverage starting Friday morning uh, with the Southern Illinoisans uh, prep football preview. will be in Friday's paper. Um, we will cover a couple of games Friday night that, that will be in Saturday's paper, barring weather delays. One one game will be in Saturday's paper. We will have us we will have a big prep section on Sunday, and then we're putting all the games or a couple of the games online Friday night. All the games are online. We're covering about six, and then uh, you can see the the games in print in Sunday's paper, um, and we'll just kind of see how how the SIU coverage goes when they move to <clears throat> six p.m. games on Saturday. Um, but the uh, you know, get the get the preview on Friday, and then you can uh, go to the southern dot com to get all the uh, get all the results. Um, and then uh, you know, we'll be there out covering uh, sports for this weekend, and this weekend will be the last weekend um, for WSIL anchors uh, Darren Kennard, who is leaving the station after twenty six years. He's uh, taking a different opportunity. And I uh, just wanted to, to say we, I, we all wish Darren well in his new, uh, new career. Uh, I'm really disappointed that uh, he's not going to stay. Um, I, I enjoy his work. I enjoy catching up with him uh, before we're working and after we're working. But uh, he's done a great job for local sports, and uh, this region will miss him. Yeah, Darren is, like you said, he's been here 26 years. Uh, we've, we've become friends over the years, and it's, it's always fun to share a sideline, share a sport, uh, press table w- with Darren. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, he's done a great job of, uh, of putting, putting sports out there. And, uh, he's, he's got, uh, he's got the right attitude. What's what, you know, he, he doesn't overplay how, you know, th- this is the end of the world, the end game or whatever. He keeps things in perspective, which I, which I think is very important. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be different not being at games and not, not seeing Darren. So, I don't know how they're going to replace his institutional knowledge. I mean, the guy's been somewhere 26 years. Obviously, he's accumulated a, 
a wealth of knowledge about what goes on around here and why it goes on, he will certainly be missed. I know his sports casts were and always have been very professional, uh, very well paced, and certainly ones where you don't leave, leave, you know, turn it off and wonder what the heck was he just trying to do there. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a pro's pro, it looks like, and uh, certainly you wish him the best in whatever he's doing down the line. You know, you talk about institutional knowledge, and this and I'm not saying this to diminish anybody or even make fun of it, but, I mean, we cover we cover 50-some-odd schools just like they do, and just even knowing where the schools are. Yeah. I mean, that that's half the game. I mean, we've got a new guy on staff this year, and, you know, he, he's not from southern Illinois, so, you know, you have to explain where the, where the, that's gym, one where of the, the gym is, had, where the field is. That's one of the first things I had to learn when I moved here in twelve. You know, where is everything? I'd call you and say, Les, where is, uh, where is Harrisburg High School? I mean, where is, uh, where, where is the new Carterville School? I mean, just simple stuff like that. Yeah, and that, and that institutional knowledge plus knowing all the coaches, knowing all the athletic directors, you know, all the, all the little things that go into it behind the scenes that people don't see, you're right, he's, he's going to be missed. And it's going to take a while to build that institutional knowledge back up. Well, we wish uh, Darren uh, good luck and uh, enjoy the sports this weekend. Thanks for joining us. We will, uh, we will be back next week um, to subscribe to the Southern Illinoisan. Go to the southern.com or call 618-529-5454.